I V M. Here's your smart fact of the day. By now, a lot of you must be knowing that Elon Musk has over nine percent of Twitter shares that he owns. So he's the single largest stakeholder of Twitter. But very few know that Twitter invited Elon Musk onto its board and potentially stopped him from launching a hostile takeover for the next two years. Welcome to Smarter with Sid, and in this episode, we are going to look at Elon Musk's strange move of buying so much stock on Twitter, and its repercussions, if any, and what we need to take away from something like this. Let's go. In first of all, we need to have a little context. Elon Musk has been fairly critical of Twitter before becoming the single largest shareholder in Twitter. So I guess he was seeing a lot of potential in the social media platform, but he was also seeing a lot of problems that he actually saw as part of the of the platform itself. So he used to regularly criticize Twitter for actually getting rid of people with dissenting voices and. used to criticize it as a place where free speech is not allowed and so on and so forth and his deep connect perhaps or perceived deep connect with you know the former president donald trump and a lot of right wing conservatives has made him somewhat of a polarizing figure in in america it is very strange to see now elon musk on the other side of the fence wherein he has purchased you know enough shares of twitter so maybe he wants to put his money where his mouth is and wants to do something about twitter and change twitter or shake things up at twitter also a little bit of context the long time ceo jack dorsey had you know quit twitter a few months back maybe and there's a new indian bred ceo parag agarwal who's the you know who's the new guy in charge Twitter executives may have prevented you know this billionaire Elon Musk from launching a hostile takeover so if we look at twitter's perspective on it perhaps twitter realized that if we get the critic inside the glass house you know he at least he won't be able to throw stones at it so why not get him inside and get him to criticize inside so they invited him to serve on the board of directors and funnily enough under the terms of his agreement to serve on the board he cannot own more than 14.9% of the company's stock uh, for a, as long as he's a board member and then also there are a lot of you know uh, things that he needs to go through the, with the securities and exchange commission uh, in the us so this is twitter's move and elon musk has accepted it elon musk is on the board of twitter now jack torsey has gone out and said that hey you know what parag and uh, elon both have Uh, very strong voices and they believe passionately in what they do so i think that they will be a great team but a lot of people think that jack dorsey is you know speaking some other language or maybe just making the right noises so that things settle down at twitter so this is the context right this is the context so why is elon musk upset at twitter or was upset with twitter it was basically about it not being a free speech platform Interestingly enough Elon Musk has made a lot of weird comments on Twitter some of them to President Putin charging you know challenging him to a, a sort of a battle or sort of a hand to hand combat to make sure that he gets out of Ukraine or something before that he was ta- talking uh, about Professor Scott Galloway saying that he's some sort of um, strange idiot before which he was talking about Tesla and weird stuff about his own companies which had to you know necessitate a gag order probably coming in from his board of uh, directors within his companies and also 
Twitter being used as something that will uh, make the stock price going up and down. So the Securities and Exchange Commission had gotten to him even then saying that, hey, you know what, this is perhaps in the gray area wherein you are impacting stock prices of your company. So you can't make strange comments on Twitter that will get the stock market to, you know, uh, react. So he's had a pretty checkered history. But he's also coming in from a very different perspective. Now, there are two angles to this perspective. Angle number one is the popular one, which is being, you know, bandied about in, in social media, including Twitter. And it is about right-wing conservatives on how they're happy because they think that now that Elon Musk is inside, he will be able to get Donald Trump back and get a lot of people who've been banned by Twitter back to Twitter uh, to make sure that, you know, they are they have their fair share of uh, voice and uh, dissenting voices can also be brought in onto the internet because the right-wing conservatives believe either rightly or wrongly that they, they have been silenced on the internet by the guys who were heading up these social media platforms through a variety of things, including you know, them just being prevented from talking and, and the rest of it. That is what Elon Musk's popular perception or rather popular perception about Elon Musk is and his stand on Twitter. The second or lesser known thing about Elon Musk is that he has, you know, for example, he asked people on Twitter saying, you know, what do you think? Should we add an edit button to Twitter, right? Because one of the things about Twitter is if you put out a tweet out there, it stays there for posterity and so you can't change your tune. Now, Parag Agarwal immediately got into the act and started trolling Elon Musk saying that, listen, guys, vote very carefully because this was like a poll. So vote very carefully because it might have an impact on the way in which Twitter uh, works. And then Twitter came up with an official statement like saying that we were working on editing tool and uh, this editing tool is quite possibly something that we were going to launch soon. We are trying to figure out what works best and, and all of that. So it seems that it's a weird situation. I don't know whether the, if things are hunky-dory between Parag Agarwal and Elon Musk. Very doubtful. I'm also wondering what Elon Musk is doing, asking on Twitter what they think about Twitter. And there were people who would asked him, is he going to start a new social media platform, you know, which allows for free speech? And just before he joined, or maybe when he had bought those shares, but he had not joined the board, he said, I'm very seriously considering so. So he was and has been a critic of how uh, the powers that be at Twitter have treated, um, you know, uh, certain voices on Twitter. Now, this brings me to my point, where the way in which Elon Musk and this, uh, him being on the board and how it will all pan out at Twitter and Parag Agarwal is something that we shall see. But it brings me to a few points that I think we can take away from this action and understand how things perhaps uh, work and how we need to be careful about things as well. The first thing is that, and I've talked about this in an earlier podcast as well, I think if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, speaks like a duck, it is, or rather quacks like a duck, it is a duck. Which means that if social media is going to be like traditional media, it should be called as a medium rather than a platform. This has been the biggest problem with all social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and any other things, saying that since they are not the ones who are actually creating the content, but the users are creating the content, they are not really media vehicles, but they are platforms. Now, this is all very well, but if you have an inherent bias, which you yourself may not know about allowing certain voices or disallowing certain voices based upon your own set of values, 
whether they are right or wrong, I don't want to comment because I'm not making this a political debate, then you are in a situation wherein you are curating content, which means that you are more of a media vehicle than a platform. And I think this is what perhaps Elon Musk was you know, kind of upset about. Because a lot of times what we must understand about Twitter is that Twitter started off quite innocently. It went off into a place wherein it was used by journalists and by you know, very influential people onto making statements directly to the public rather than going through press or going through traditional media or PR or anything of that sort. So Twitter certainly gives perspectives and views and it invited a lot of trolling, it invited a lot of hate speech and, you know, all the rest of it. This has been an open thing and nobody has really figured out how to solve this. But one of the things that Elon Musk probably thought by buying shares on Twitter to make him powerful enough to be heard within Twitter is to how do, you know, you make a media vehicle back into a social media platform. Now, it's quite likely that Elon Musk, obviously, he, you know, he has his own agenda. A lot of times I think he's completely nuts at some level and he keeps making arbitrary comments. But maybe there's a pattern behind that strange, uh, you know, um, way in which he makes those tweets. And it's all nefarious. I'm not claiming to know Elon Musk's mind. Maybe even his own Neuralink may not know his own mind. But what I do know is that he might even err to make it right conservative. Whatever it is, it is very akin to large industrial houses actually having shares in traditional media, like this paper is owned by this uh, industrial group, or, you know, you have the Washington Post, for example, owned by Jeff Bezos, who also happens to, you know, be a major player at Amazon, if not the chairman and CEO. So you are in a situation wherein business interests will always create a bias for whatever platform or media vehicle there may be. Now, what is it, the lesson that is there for us? What we must understand is that because Elon Musk is such a colorful media personality, this has come out to the fore. But we must understand when, whenever we consume content on Twitter or whenever we consume content across any social media to treat it like media, not like a platform. I can't say this more loudly than what I'm saying right now. Well, I hope you like this episode of Smarter with Sid. And sometimes it is a strange way of getting smart by understanding what's happening outside in the real world and, and kind of understanding how we should cope up with it and how it makes an impact on our daily lives or it doesn't. And so therefore, temperance is the key over here. And if you like this episode, please like and subscribe to my podcast and please just go to IVM and check all the other wonderful stuff that they've got out there for you. And hey, I'm the traveling professor. Do connect with me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Until next time, Samir.